0: Welcome to Insights with Sites, the Symphony of Scripture, a weekly podcast exploring the themes and contours of the weekly scripture readings. For more information about the podcast, or to download the companion notes, please visit ww.wickliffecollege.ca slash podcast. We now join our host, the Reverend Dr. Christopher Sites. For the crescendo-like Sundays of Palm Sunday and Easter, the readings chosen and their relationship to one another are straightforward and clear to the point of overflowing. There's simply a lot of good material to choose from and work with, and so the symphony of Scripture soars. I want to take a brief moment to look ahead now as Easter is not only a single decisive Sunday, though that it is, but for churches which use a lectionary, it is a season as well, a season of seven Sundays, seven Sundays conforming to the seven times seven days or seven weeks of the Feast of Weeks. Shavuot in Hebrew or Pentecost. That is 49 plus 1 equals 50. Pentecost. In Greek, the wheat harvest festival from Exodus in time becomes a festival associated with the giving of the Torah and one of the great pilgrimage festivals. And so we see it in Acts chapter 2 at the day of Pentecost. Pilgrims are present at the temple from all the areas of the Mediterranean basin. You'll remember the list, Parthians, Medes, Elamites, Libya, Egypt, and so on. The opening chapter of Acts is the one source in the Bible that supplies an actual time period, 40 days, during which Jesus' risen life was experienced by His disciples and the others chosen as witnesses, as Peter put it last Sunday, the more than 500, as Paul put it as well. Acts 1, verse 3 then speaks of Jesus appearing to them over a period of 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. Ascension Day is traditionally set then as the Thursday of week six, consistent with this 40-day reference and Acts' own account of Jesus' ascension preceding His promised Sending of the Spirit for which they are to pray and wait. This Sunday, we have an opportunity to hear another resurrection account, the continuation of John 20 from last week, and next week from Luke chapter 24. For the remainder of this season, we will shift to earlier chapters in the Gospel of John for our Gospel reading, a pattern that holds in the other two years as well of our three-year lectionary cycle so that John might have a word to say. More on that for Sundays to come. The Easter season is also that time of the year when we hear from chapters in Acts, selections. As again, Acts also appears in the other two years during this season and must share itself, as it were, across the three-year cycle. The selections are sometimes cued to the gospel, sometimes to the epistle, and other times to the psalm. The epistle reading to be followed in year B comes from the first letter of John. Next year, we will hear Revelation, and last year it was First Peter. It is then on this second Sunday of Easter that we're introduced to a special Easter season epistle reading. We won't hear John 1 in its entirety, but sequentially and fairly completely all the same. The opening section of John 1 is our epistle reading for today, concerning what John calls the Word of Life. This isn't a specific reference to Easter or Resurrection, but of course includes it as the culminating confirmation of the loving fellowship of the Father and the Son which fellowship we now share. The author of 1 John sees this fellowship stretching back to the very beginning, an idea which he shares with John, the Gospel of John, chapter 1, in the beginning was the Word. We do have the detail in the first verse about Jesus being seen with eyes and touched with hands. Often thought to counter the heresy of Gnosticism with which the author is concerned. In the flesh, Jesus was a real man. But it does resonate with the accounts of the risen Christ. Jesus offers to his disciples that he be touched. Handle me and see, Luke 24. And today, put your finger here and see my hands. More generally, in these opening verses of John 1, John is speaking about walking in the light, the light that has broken out among us and shunning the darkness that marked our former life, defeated a darkness defeated by the atoning work of Christ on Good Friday. In the light of that, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. John makes two points on this theme. First, to say that we have no sin would be to deceive ourselves and render the work of Christ on the cross empty and meaningless. Or in the sometimes liberal Christian version, a kind of tragic end for a morally heroic good man. No, we are sinners and God's work in His Son at the cross has cleansed us. And the second point John wishes to make is that this work has a continual cleansing action as well. If we sin and acknowledge it and its power, even as we are now walking in the light, we have an advocate to whom we can turn. An advocate for us individually, whose death on the cross was also for the sins of the whole world. The reading from Acts, which replaces the usual Old Testament reading during this season of Easter, also speaks of the fellowship in the light, that is, using John's language, in the concrete form of the life of believers. The believers shared what they had and took care of the needy in their midst. And they didn't do this by drawing up action plans and exhorting stragglers to do their part. Rather, we hear that great grace was upon them and that they lived so close to the resurrection light that their testimony was empowered and empowering. This is doxological living And Acts is proud to declare it as alive in and enlivened by the spirit of the risen Lord Jesus. The psalm is there to capture the mood well with exclamation point at the ready how good and pleasant it is when brothers and sisters live together in unity the oil of anointing, the oil in the imagery of the psalm upon the head and the beard, the anointing oil even of the body of Christ itself runs now down over believers like the dew on Hermon. For there in the Hermon of Christian fellowship is the risen Lord. And in him God ordains blessing, as the psalmist puts it, life forevermore. John's account of Jesus' appearance to disciples follows on from Easter Sunday and Mary's announcement to the fellowship I have seen the Lord. Having walked out of linen wrappings, he now appears to gathered disciples gathered behind fearfully locked doors. Having breathed on Mary new life by calling her name, he now breathes forth the Holy Spirit. Jesus' resurrection is a life-changing fact also with a life-changing charge and purpose. The Holy Spirit is a spirit of forgiveness and new life for the sins of all the world, as our epistle reading has stated it. Being a twin, we're told is hard. Thomas, upon hearing that Lazarus had died and that Jesus was going to see him, volunteered, let us go too, that we may die with him. Whatever the reason for his absence when Jesus met with the others, he is not content with being left out and getting their report only. Back in their company, we read, not to be left out again a week later, Jesus appears as before and repeats word for word his same hello He then turns directly to Thomas and, without a sign of knowing, addresses him and his weak old complaint. Lavish to the point of extreme. Doubt is to have no place. Jump in. Side and hands are here at the ready. To say this does the trick is, of course, an understatement belied by Thomas' response. My Lord and my God. Now, John, the beloved disciple, lifts Jesus' eyes to us who are receiving this testimony, but not within the privileged circle, but on account of their testimony. As Peter put it in Acts, Jesus appeared not to all, but to those chosen to bear witness. If John could step down harder on the lavish pedal, at this point, I believe he would. Fine for Thomas. Jesus stood ready to defeat doubt within the circle of those who would be his chosen witnesses. But what is written is fully competent by the work of the same Spirit breathed on the disciples to make the risen Lord alive for us, not second stringers or latecomers, but blessed as those who have not seen yet have been fully empowered to believe. I'll let him have the final word. But these are written so that you may come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that through believing you may have life, life as rich in blessing as those in the chosen circle in their way, that you may have life in the church, in the fellowship of light, in his name. We hope you enjoyed Insights with Sights, the symphony of scripture. For archived episodes and notes, please visit www.wickliffcollege.ca podcast. Thank you, and we hope you tune in again. This podcast is a ministry of Wycliffe College at the University of Toronto.